Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, this is John Shea of the San Francisco Chronicle, and what a special honor to have Huey Lewis on our Giant Splash podcast. Huey grew up in the Bay Area, a Giants fan, in their early years in San Francisco, and played a lot of ball himself. His career is nothing short of amazing as a singer, songwriter, and actor, and Huey Lewis and the News have a new album, Weather, which we discuss along with some other cool stories on his music. But on this first of a two-part podcast, Huey shares some great baseball stories about Willie Mays, Bruce Bochy, Dave Rigetti, Lon Simmons, his amazing renditions of the National Anthem, and much more. We get into a little 49ers and maybe his days as a softball player, which I'm all too familiar with. Enjoy part one. Well, thanks for joining me, Huey. What a pleasure, man. Uh, how are you doing these days? Uh, well, uh, you know, stay at home mostly. I, I live in, I'm in Montana most mm-hmm. of the time, so we have a we have a little larger place to uh, to a shelter in place. But uh, but we're we're playing it pretty cool out here too. Well, you've always been a busy guy. It doesn't matter what decade, what era, and you've always taken life to its fullest. But you're sheltering now. So what keeps you busy these days? Well, um, I've actually been reading a lot. You know, my hearing collapsed a few mm-hmm. years, uh, like two um, two years and four months ago. And so haven't been able to, music is cacophony for me right now. So, and television is kind of hard to watch. I can hear you because I have hearing aids and a Bluetooth and all that. But uh, but I'm, I've been reading a lot, actually, and, and working around the ranch. Wow. So what do you read? Well, I, I just finished... Uh, uh, Michael Bloomfield's book, or the book on Michael Bloomfield called yeah. Guitar King, uh-huh. Michael Bloomfield's Life in the Blues. It's really great. I recommend it to everybody. Um, David Dan wrote it. It's it's wonderful, not only about Michael, but about the era, you know, the mm-hmm. um, late the 60s and the early 70s and in San Francisco a lot. In Mill Valley, lived in Mill Valley and... Uh, uh, and the Butterfield Blues Band, who were a big influence on me. So I've been, it's a, it's a, it's a long book. It's over 700 pages, but wow. it's, uh, it's, it's really a great one. Guitar King. Yeah, Mike Bloomfield, major inspiration for a lot of people in the Bay Area back in the day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you have a wonderful new album, Weather. And I'm hearing it. I'm loving it. Um, there's so much there. A wonderful assortment of blues, of R&B, funk, rock, even country, which... Go, go figure. Yeah, that's you, though. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of your albums are like that. Looking back, um, we're kind of all over the place in terms of types of music and types of inspirations. Right. Well, I, and by the way, I think that's fair to say. We always have had diverse, diverse uh, tastes there. You know, even even our sports record had honky tonk blues on it and different stuff. But um, yeah, and I, I've always been warned against that, but. Uh, but it just sort of comes naturally. I mean, you know, you, you write the songs that, that the muse gives you, I mean, that come into your head. So that's, that's kind of the way that goes. But the, uh, this record was, you know, we were 
compiling. I mean, it's been a while since our last original record for several reasons. Number one, we're not we're not all too prolific, uh, you know, at this ripe old age. Number two, we had you know we we're doing seventy five shows a year, and with travel, that's you know a lot of days on the road, and we have lives, so there wasn't a lot of time. And also, it's it's tough to come up with as you know with original ideas when you've already had a few. So, um, but what we were doing was compiling. Song as we had a song, wrote a song, we'd record it, put it in the can, and just compiling till we had ten of them, and then gonna release the record. Uh, and figuring it didn't matter how long that was, as long as the band was good and we were, we were actually better than ever. Uh, we just wait till we had ten songs, and as long as we were good, we could stay away. Didn't matter how long we stayed away, yeah. uh, as long as it was good. And so we had these seven things recorded and mixed. And my hearing collapsed, so um, we waited kind of a year to see if I could, if that was going to remedy it itself, and it didn't. So um, we thought we'd just, you know, share them with the fans. So we released it. Yeah. So this was years in the making, like you said, seven songs, and I'd like to hit on all that. But first, remind that this is actually a baseball podcast, which is also in your wheelhouse. Also, back in the day, you were a pitcher and a shortstop. And you grew up in the Bay. You played a lot of ball. You loved the game. You grew up in Marin County following the game, the candlestick days, uh, the peak time for a lot of legends. And you saw a lot of them. Um, what, what a great era. What, what was that like in your youth following baseball in the Bay and playing the game here? Yeah, it, it was fantastic. I mean, I remember, you know, I remember the, McCovey's shot to Bobby Richardson in the World Series, or if it's a foot higher, we win. I remember Mays sliding into in, in playing the Dodgers in the in the in the pennant playoff and kicking the ball out of Johnny Roseboro's glove. And I remember the Vic Wirtz catch, and you know all that stuff. So we were I was a big Giants fan, and and you know watched Mays in his heyday, and it just doesn't get any better than Willie Mays. You know, I mean he was. We now know, right? Wasn't he? Who? Who is it that just selected him the best player ever? Yeah, Joe Poznanski of the Athletic. They yeah, did their top yeah. one hundred, and lo and behold, right. Babe Ruth was number two, not number one. Which is probably correct, right? You agree with that, don't you? Well, the thing is, for two reasons. Number one, they say, well, Babe hit more home runs than other teams, and he was a pitcher. And I would say, well, if Mays were a pitcher in the 20s and 30s, maybe he would do the same thing. He had a great arm, um, but no man of color was allowed to play the major league game, of course. And, and you know, as a result, I mean, the, the babe actually played, you could say, inferior competition. I mean, when Mays came along, there were whites and blacks and Latinos. Right, um, right. Uh, the babe never had to play against Negro League teams except in exhibitions or whatever. So you could say Willie's competition was a lot more than the Babes. No question, and, and, and he played the whole game, right? I mean, he was great. He was a great outfielder. He could run. He could, you know, he was a, a threat on the bases. I mean, think it. His 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 base running alone was amazing. You know, amazed. I mean, he he played every aspect of the game, and 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 also importantly, made his teammates much better. He was a wonderful teammate. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I got I got to play golf with him a couple times. And uh, and he was a great teammate to golf. He and I played these. My my drummer Bill Gibson and and Bob Barr is no longer with us, but uh, 
And I mean, Mays was into it like 10, you know, he was so great and he was pumping me up and we were talking and I mean, it was, it was like, you know, it was like the last game of the world series, our little golf game. And man, was he fun. I mean, and this was late in his life mm-hmm. and he was just, just, you know, fun. And I'm sure as he, as I'm sure he still is, he's, he's always been a kid, you know? Yeah. And w- was this at Pebble beach? Well, no, this was at Sharon Heights. Okay. In San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I have a Pebble Beach story, though, because <laughs> I I have, I played in the World Series, and this, I'm going to give my pal John Richter a shout here, yeah. who's a big Giants fan, lives in, Bur- in Marin, and is, is a golfing friend of mine, and he and I were playing at... Uh, at the World Series of Golf, I think it's called at Pebble Beach, and we were playing with Don Robinson, the guy, the, the caveman back yeah, in the day, the pitcher, and and, and uh, pitcher, and um, and John Richter says uh, it was it was caddying for me just because we were having fun down there, and he says I'll caddy for you, and so we're playing with Don Robinson, and John says to Don, he says. When was the last time we talked to Al Rosen? He says, oh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I'm going to have to next week because, you know, we're going to get fired up again for spring. He says, well, look, when you when you he says, when you talk to him, mention Dave Rigetti because Rigetti was playing out his last year with the Yankees and he's a Bay Area boy, he says. And I knew that because Rigetti had come to early Huey Lewis and news gigs. Huh in Palo Alto and, and we, you know, we were, we were kind of fans of his cause he was kind of a fan of ours and so on. And, he, and, um, Dad Lemon says, Oh yeah, really? No kidding. He says, yeah. Um, uh, well, I, well I will then. So next thing we know, uh, giant sign Rigetti. <laughs> and, and I'm, and, and now I read in Lowell Cohn's column when he interviews Al Rosen, they said, why'd you sign Rigetti? And Al said, well, shoot, he's a Bay Area guy. He said, I never even thought of him till Don Robinson mentioned it. Oh, my goodness. So, so John Richter, my pal, was responsible for, uh, for Rags coming over to the Giants. That's pretty that's, good. That's, that's, our, that's our story, and we're sticking to it. He was a big factor in that, on that 93 team that won 103 games. Yeah, and, and, and how many managers was he a pitching coach for? Oh like yeah, five. Yeah, you know that's that's pretty amazing. He and Ron Wotus, unbelievable staying power. That just doesn't happen uh, because once a manager comes in, he cleans house, as we see right now, and brings in his own guys. But is is, is Wotus still there? Yeah, he's the only Good. man over mid forties on that staff. They should they they should make him manager. I I always say. Yeah, you yeah. know, I remember a game when Boach got thrown out. And and Lotus managed the rest of the game, and it went fourteen or fifteen innings, and they used everybody, and it was a managerial coup de grace, man. He yeah. was fantastic. And I called Boats the next day. I said, "How about Lotus?" He said, "Really? No kidding." Uh, that, that's so. I mean, yeah, Lotus says he he could definitely manage. Hey, he proved it in the minors uh, when your ace bench coach uh, on championship teams. Uh, is available and and you're you know you're often the the next guy up, but for whatever reason it didn't happen for him. And, well, they never they never they never they never uh, go within from within. They never elevate from within. They always get somebody else, right? It seems like. Yeah, but I mean, I mean not not since. Uh, why is that? Why is that? Well, it's probably because a general manager might want to put his own stamp on things. I mean, you could go back to Dusty Baker, who was a coach here before he became a manager. But, but didn't Dusty coach for the Dodgers, though, right? Well, he coached under Roger Craig. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. 
And you go back to Roger Craig, the national anthem, a cappella, beautiful stuff over the years, from Candlestick to the new ballpark with the 49ers, with the Giants. I think you've created a lot of lasting friendships with your associations with Bay Area sports teams. But uh, how how did you get that gig? Uh, And how, how did you start doing the anthem in these parts because it was classic stuff whenever you came out to the park and it, it was often in the postseason on a national stage as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the first one we did was for the A's mm-hmm. and they taped it and then they then they kept playing they it. They sure did. They kept yeah. playing the tape. Yeah. And so, um, and I don't know, someone got the idea and then, you know, we got to do it. Giants asked us and the Niners asked us and We've never done a World Series, though, because the World Series is always handled from the office in New York. We always we always do the NFC Championship games, but when it went to the series, New York would say, thank you very much, we'll take it from here, and, you know, it would be Mariah Carey or somebody. Yeah. Well, were you not scheduled to do Game 4 in 89 before the earthquake hit prior to Game 3? We were there, but we didn't do the anthem. Well, okay. We were going to, but we didn't do the anthem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, that was the, the the thing about doing the anthem is it's only you know it, it's nerve wracking because it's hard and there's a delay and all that kind of stuff and we do it a cappella which is hard also but uh, the good news is it's only two minutes long and you get the best seats in the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem to have fun with it and you were loose around the field and clubhouse. But if I'm not mistaken, you kind of had a game face once you yeah it's, it's not easy it's not easy a cappella number one and in the park with the with the delay that comes out, you know, uh, you sing and then you hear your voice come out like, uh, you know, a second later. Yeah. So it's, it's strange. Were there concerts colder than Candlestick Park? Were there concerts colder than yeah. Candlestick Park? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose. So, you know, we played outdoors in Salt Lake City in the okay. wintertime one time <laughs> for the Olympics, for the yeah. Olympics, the Winter Olympics. It was like 28 degrees when we played outside. We'll be back with more Huey Lewis right after this short break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. That was Huey Lewis and the news with the national anthem before Game 3 of the 87 playoff series, Giants-Cardinals at Candlestick Park. Welcome back to Giant Splash. We're speaking with Huey Lewis, and Huey, Bob Seger tweeted out 
after Al Kaline died recently that he really loved Kaline and that uh, Kaline and Mays were two of his favorite players. Have you had some pretty good conversations with other musicians over the years about baseball because th- th- there are so many folks like yourself in the industry who love the game? Yeah, lots. Uh, you oh. know, Michael Keaton has become a friend. We fish together. He lives in Montana, too, and, and he's a Pittsburgh Pirates fanatic, so we talk, we talk baseball a lot there. And I, I remember the old, you know, uh, we remember the Pirates back in the day with Stargell and all that. I mean, you know, all Mazeroski and all that, they're, they're great era. So, and he's, he's still hoping they're going to return. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but, but a lot, a lot, music and music and sports are interesting. I used to say, you know, we're a lot alike. We, we, we spend a lot of time in coliseums and take showers together. <laughs> <laughs> and I always hear musician musicians saying, man, I love the game. I wish I could play. Then I hear ballplayers say, man, I love the music. I wish I could play. There seems to be a real crossover. Yeah, that's how we first met uh, uh, Joe Montana and, and Dwight and uh, Ronnie Lott and and um, and Ricky Ellison at at a at the Bammies at the Bay Area Music Awards mm-hmm. once, and then um, and they said they they I think they were there to present an award or something, and we we met and they said, hey, look, why don't you let us sing on one of your songs and we'll let you take a few snaps. I said, great. So, so we got him just to, um, we got those four guys, uh, came and sang on, on hip to be square. Yeah. yeah they're, sure. they're the guys in the background. Going, yeah, yeah, and everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It was funny actually, because, you know, we used those four guys and, um, and we triple tracked them. We did it like three times and it sounded like a hundred people. And, um, on the next record, we had a song called I Know What I Like, and we wanted that same idea. We would we'd have them shout, and then we'd put little harmonies over the top of them, so it sounded like a whole big gang of people yeah. singing, you know? And uh, so we tried, uh, on the next record, we had a song we wanted to try for that effect, so we did that ourselves. We went out and shouted, I Know What I Like. I know, but it sounded so weeny compared to the 49ers that we finally we, we, we finally had to go up to Rockland and tape them singing I Know What I Like in order to get that sound because they're big and they got big voices, you know. It's funny. Yeah, well, I, I, I imagine you grew up listening to Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons, and it just dawned on me. Um, a lot of times I used to see you guys hang out with Lon, or maybe Lon was hanging out with you, uh, at least uh, Bill Gibson, the drummer. Uh, was there a connection with you guys and in, in, in Lon? Oh yeah. Well, first, I was I was Russ Hodges' paper boy in, when he lived in Chattanooga. In Chattanooga, uh, Mill Valley. Wow. Ch- yeah. And then, um, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but but later on, we got to know Lon through. Uh, I think we first met at a golf tournament, one of McCovey's golf tournament, probably, and we and we got real close and uh, spent a lot of time with him towards the end. Yeah, he was Lonnie was great, and he had all the great stories. Oh yeah, just I a mean, warm he, and pleasant guy. All the great, and he was yeah. smart and funny, and just such a pleasure to hang out with. Yeah, really fun. Your baseball career, Huey. <laughs> I mean, you moved your family from New York in 1955, three years before the Giants showed up. Uh, you grew up in Mill Valley, Strawberry Point School, Ed McGuire Middle School before they built the right. new middle school. And then uh, then you went to prep school in New Jersey, and you played ball there. Um, you pitched a bit. You played some short. Right. What was that experience like uh, all of a sudden, you know, heading east because you were so young, man? That was great. I, you know, 
I had two great coaches growing up. One, one in, in Mill Valley, Clarence Bush, hmm. who was uh, from it was it was an infielder from Texas, uh, and he was just a great, great coach and and taught us the game properly. And then I had another great coach at Lawrenceville called um, Jim Waugh, who's who's also our poetry teacher, English and poetry teacher, and is, is still alive. And um, uh, we it convenes we convene bunch of us once a year sometimes to to kind of um to he gives he, he teaches an english class he does he, he we did the natural was one of his favorite books you know malamud's the natural and he he would teach it uh, and as i lay dying also heavy stuff but but um but he was a great great coach and um and a lot of fun to play with, play for. And, uh, you know, I, I mainly played infield and shortstop, but, uh, mm-hmm. but my senior year, uh, we didn't have much of a pitching staff. And so I, I volunteered and, uh, got to pitch. I, in fact, work, work my way up. I was the number two guy. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. My career might be too big a word for my baseball, <laughs> my baseball pursuits. <laughs> well, come on. You had a perfect score on the math SAT and you're going to Cornell in the engineering department, and you're going to pl- uh, play ball there, but things kind of detoured from there, right? True, yeah. We took you off, bummed around Europe, and discovered the harmonica and music, yeah. and all bets were off. Yeah, I didn't, didn't play, didn't go, out, didn't go out for the team when I got to Cornell. I just joined bands, played music. Well, when did the harmonica move ahead of the glove? Uh, right then. Yeah. Uh, and then, then of course, but then, of course, it wasn't over because I came back to Marin County, joined Clover, and then we had a softball team that played your team, Jose Magnolia. Remember, we had a softball game, some some bitter, bitter rivalry we had, you and I. Right? You know, the, the, okay, now now let's get personal. Do people yeah. know that? Yeah, it, well, yeah, I, yeah, they do now. Yeah, that was mid-70s. Uh, you you yeah. got back. Um, yeah, that was like, fast-foot softball. That was before tournaments and leagues. I'm talking mid-70s in yeah. Southern Marin. That's right. And, uh, That's right. Yeah, you were playing with the Clover Band and with the green uniforms, and we were Jose Magnolia with the purple uniforms. That was seventies yeah. uh, uh, uniforms. I think we, uh, you, I think we, we, you guys won probably won more games than we did, but we drank more beer than you did. <laughs> you had more fun. <laughs> no, I lived for those times, man. That was a blast um, because you, the the name of the team was Clover, and that was your band at the time before the guys from Clover and the guys from Sound Hole kind of united with Huey Lewis and the news. And that was, that was classic Mill Valley stuff. Um, I mean, in fact, in fact, three guys from the original band, you know, Johnny Cola, Bill Gibson, Sean Hopper still with you now. I mean, that's some awesome sustainability. Wow. Wow. Shoot. I mean, Billy and I went to Ed McGuire at the same time. Of course he was a year younger than I am. Different class, but yeah, we, we, you could say we grew up together. So that was that, and you know, in those days, in the '60s and '70s, I mean, everybody was in a band. It was just like hmm, yeah. that was what we—that's what you did. And there was live music everywhere. It's hard to hard to fathom now, but in those days, you know, they didn't have near the recorded. Nobody spun records or DJs, or it was all live music in clubs. And there was, you know, in in our early days in the late '70s, mid mid '70s, all through the '70s, there was. You know, five different clubs would have live music in Marin County. Yeah, it was unbelievable. In fact, my three older brothers played a bunch of music and still do. We lived 
up near the Chipolinas on the mountain there, where you know Mario, your old bass player, and John, sure, of course, sure. from Quicksilver. Um, sure. And Alex Call came out and played. A couple of guys from the band uh, played softball with everybody. Yeah, that That's was right. that was that was a good time. Boyle Park, Ed McGuire, all these fields around the county. No umpires. Kind of fast pitch. But yeah, you're right. It was hardcore, man. You had good players. You guys were loaded. It was fun. It yeah. was really fun. We had yeah. a ball. We look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're in Montana. Is Marin still home? Is Mill Valley still home? Well, partially. You know, we have a studio in Santa Fe, yeah. so we yeah. we um we we make our records and our our offices there and our rehearsal space and all that. So I still I still get there from time to time, but I pretty much stay out here in Montana. Where, you know, more cheese, less rats. <laughs> <laughs> were your parents into sports or baseball? I mean, they were artistically inclined. Your dad was a drummer. Your mom was an artist who hung out with poets. Right. Your dad was a doctor by trade, but loved the big band jazz and Dixie scenes. Yeah, no, my, my dad played a little ball. He was a catcher, okay. and he played a, he played a little ball. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he played with me. He, he, got, he gave me my start. You know, we, we played catch as kids wow. when I was a young kid. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for joining us for part one of this Giant Splash podcast with Huey Lewis. In part two, we will get deeper into Huey's new album, Weather, including a video for one of the songs that features a certain Giants manager who won three championships. And we share a bunch of stories on Huey's childhood idol, Willie Mays, and a lot of other cool stuff. Stay tuned for part two. The Giant Splash is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Podcast producers are King Kaufman and Alan Johnson. The theme song, Batter Up, was written and performed by Lauren Gold and Ray Eastless. Support the Splash and all of our great journalism by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod.